0: The Savior, who is our shepherd, calls us as his sheep to come. And we hear his voice, and here we are. God of grace and God of glory, on your people pour your power. Grant us wisdom for the living of these days. It's hymn number 292. If you'll pull out your hymnal, we're going to sing verses 1 and 2 together. So, church, let us begin our worship together in song. Let us sing.
1: grace and peace of Christ be with you. Also with you let's turn and greet one another we welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church and would love it if you'd fill out the uh, attend the uh, friendship pad whether you're a visitor or whether you are uh, with us all m- most regularly I'm looking out there and realizing I see virtually no visitors. so and it's sort of like through me. I, you know, that's not normally on Sunday morning. I do see a few of you, but we're very glad that you're here today. If you look inside of the bulletin, you'll see the announcement sheet. Lots of things happening. Next Saturday is the Patriots Day Parade, and uh, our own Doug Miller, he's not here today, is the Citizen of the Year. So he's going to be featured in the parade, and we are going sen- it? Next Sunday he'll be Next Sunday he'll be here, so you can all congratulate him. So that's next Saturday morning, the parade in town. Our preschool is having a float that is going to wish the church a happy 100th birthday. And the preschool children will be marching. If you would like to march in the parade, that's the way this parade goes, I understand. You are welcome to just show up, up at the high school, preferably in one of your centennial shirts, which, by the way, we have many, many more of. We got the new lo- new shipment in Even other sizes are in, and they're over in Tankersley Hall. Wear your sparkly shirt, and you can march with them if you would like to. The parade starts at 11. By By about 11.30, we'll be down here, and we'll be serving cupcakes out in the Rose Garden. We could use more of you to sign up to help serve cupcakes and more of you to sign up to help make cupcakes. I am told that we will need thousands of cupcakes. I like the whole town. We'll be here like falling upon the cupcakes, just like ants. So if you can sign up out there today in uh, Tank Hall, it would be appreciated. Women's Retreat is two weeks from this weekend, and that means that this Friday is the last chance to sign up. We need you to sign up for Women's Retreat this week. You can go home and do that online, or you can fill it out by paper uh, at a cart this morning over in Tank Hall. Our third Friday, on Friday night, had a wonderful Academy Awards night. They don't need to have one tonight on television. We already did it, and it was terrific. This next month in March, we'll be having a St. Patrick's Day party on St. Patrick's Day, serving corned beef and also having some Irish dancers, and you can sign up today for that. We have a new members class that is going to be April 2nd. You can see the information there. And this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of our Lenten season. We'll have a service here at 7 o'clock Wednesday night for the imposition of ashes as well as for communion. We have a number of choices for the Lent devotionals. you can read about those here. The book that is mentioned that's for sale will be in Tank Hall. It is by Walter Brueggemann. And if you're going to start reading it on Ash Wednesday, you probably want to get it today in order to be ready. I'm not going to have them here for sale on Wednesday night. Uh, Also, you can see that our Book Talk group is meeting this Tuesday to discuss the book that we have been reading. Linda White is going to Cuba soon. When are you going? A A week and a half on a ministry trip to Cuba, and you can see how you can participate in supporting her for that. And also, you can see that our shirts are available. Uh, And hats, too. We have baseball caps if you would rather do that. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Who is like you, O Lord? Everywhere we look, the world around us speaks of your greatness, of your power and of the depth of your wisdom. It is your hand that carved out the seas, that raised up the mountains, that set the sun in place, that robed this earth with a thin garment of air, making it a haven of beauty and life. Create in us such a sense of wonder and delight in all your gifts that we might receive them with gratitude as we come to worship you this morning through Christ our Lord. Amen.
2: The psalmists call us to worship. Oh give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the mighty waters.
0: Then they they cried
2: cried to the Lord in their their trouble, and he brought brought them out out from their distress. distress. He He made made the the storm storm be still, and and the waves of the the sea were hushed. Then Then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought brought them them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wonderful works to humankind
0: great is the Lord Lord, exalted exalted
2: among among the nations nations, mighty is the Lord King King of of heaven heaven and earth earth. holy Holy is is the Lord beyond our understanding hallelujah let us worship our God and King let us stand together and sing praises
0: eternal God unchanging, mysterious,
3: Surround us with your aid.
2: Psalmists remind us that it is out of the depths of our lives that we lift up our prayers before a holy God. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. you come to us but we do not recognize you you call but we do not follow you command but we do not obey you bless us but we do not thank you Lord forgive us and help us Lord you accept us but we do not accept others. You forgive us, but we do not forgive others. You love us, but we do not love our neighbors. Lord, forgive us and help us. Lord, you showed us how to carry out your mission, but we still insist on our own You identified yourself with outcasts, the needy and the poor. But we do not bother to find out what is happening to them. You suffered and died for the sake of all. But we do not want to give up our comfortable lives. Lord, forgive Forgive us. us and help us. We lift up our Personal prayers in the silence of this moment. Amen. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is He who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the good news. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Today on the church calendar is Transfiguration Day, so before I read the text for our sermon, I want to read the text that tells us the story of transfiguration. This is from Matthew chapter 17. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. The text for today's sermon is Mark 4, beginning with verse 35. The beginning of Mark 4 Throughout the whole rest of that chapter, Jesus has been teaching parables along by the Sea of Galilee. In fact, there there were such crowds that he was seated in a boat out in the water talking to the people who were on the land. Uh, The book that many of us are reading before our trip to Israel, Jesus, a Pilgrimage by James Martin. Martin talks about the reason for that being that the hillside um, uh, acted like a natural amphitheater that the people could hear better, and uh, Martin calls that the Bay of Parables. It's pretty hard to find the Bay of Parables. Nobody else seems to talk about that, but we will perhaps find it when we go to Israel. Uh, Mark 4, beginning with verse 35. Hear the word of God. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with them in the boat. they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. so the, the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, "Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing?" He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, "Peace." be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My dad loved to fish. Uh, When I was quite young, he got a very small fishing boat, Uh, the kind with the outboard motor that you had to control, like, you know, with the handle back in the back, it probably had like five horsepower or something like that. But it was far better than fishing along the shore or fishing along a stream. He uh, loved to go out fishing, and he loved to take us along with him. A place that he liked to go was Lake Mojave, which is out near Lake Mead. It is a very hot place. Let's just say it's not a lot of fun to sit in that boat. Now, my mother really never learned how to swim. So my mother was terrified of boats. And she was trying to be a good sport, so she'd go, probably to be sure that we were safe. But she always made sure that we wore those great big orange life jackets because you wouldn't dare go in a boat without one of those. And she was always a bit nervous. So she would watch for chop on the water. And the least little bit of white, that'd be it. We needed to go back in. That was it. That was all we could stand. Unless the the lake was absolutely like glass, mother was sure that it was not safe to be out on that lake. A couple of weeks ago, Um, My husband and I went to see the performance at South Coast Repertory Theater of Moby Dick. Did you see it? It was an amazing performance. It was uh, during the performance, all of the performers on the stage quite a few times in unison swayed so that you knew that they were on the boat. My mother would have been seasick immediately just sitting right there in the audience. Of course, the story of Moby Dick is chasing uh, is Captain Ahab trying to chase Moby Dick, the white whale, because Moby Dick has eaten off uh, Captain Ahab's leg. And as far as Captain Ahab is concerned, Moby Dick is absolutely evil. He is the devil himself. And as the boat begins to encounter Moby Dick, and the, so, uh, the sailors are involved in all of that, it does seem like the sea is just whipped up into an evil fury, even right there on the stage. Although Jesus, four of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, in general, the ancient Jewish people were not seafarers and were not a whole lot more comfortable on the water than my mother was. In fact, many of them would agree with Captain Ahab that there was something evil, maybe even something demonic, that was in that chaos of the seas. It was something that was far beyond control. It was something to be feared. In today's text, uh, this happens on the Sea of Galilee, which is in the north of Israel. It was the center of most of Jesus' ministry and is a lovely, sparkling, freshwater lake. It's not as big as Tahoe. It's about as... uh, Wide as Tahoe, but only about a third as long as Tahoe. So if you can kind of see how big that lake would be. It is a place that all tourists go when they go to Israel, whether Christians or not. Everybody goes to the Sea of Galilee because it's a beautiful spot. And everybody is out on the sea in a boat. Uh, Most of those boats are not as small as what Jesus and and his disciples were in, which if you're on our trip this year, you'll be glad to know that you're not going to be in a tiny boat out there. But the lake is pretty full of boats. Everybody goes out on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, however, is known for violent storms that can whip up and that can be life-threatening. You see the sea is surrounded by fairly steep hillsides and the wind can come whipping down through some of the valleys and just stir up sudden wind that is so great that sometimes waves that hit the cities on the west side of the lake have been known to be 10-foot-high swells hitting onto the shore. In fact, they they say that there are some signs in the parking areas over on the western side of the sea that say, "warn drivers that if you park your car here, you may be sorry later because you may come back and find that your car has been swamped by the waves. So it's not unusual that there would be a storm that would come up very quickly on the Sea of Galilee. This story seems like it's a little story, doesn't it? It seems like the kind of story that it would be easy to overlook. But it's actually a very important story in Christian history because it's an important story about Jesus. It's an important story about the church. And it's an important story about us too. Part of why it's important is because it shows Jesus' disciples and it shows us who Jesus really was. After a day full of preaching, probably in the sun, along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is exhausted and ready for his Sunday afternoon nap, just like anybody else would be. We've seen Jesus do other human things. I mean, you know, we've seen him grow up, we've seen him eat, we've seen him go to weddings. Eventually we will see him weep and we'll see him die. It's the only place in Scripture where we see him sleep. He's so much like we are. The story reminds us that Jesus didn't just appear to be human, that when he became human, he was real like we are and had some of the many needs and vulnerabilities that we have too in our bodies. If you were in Laguna Beach Friday night a week ago, you experienced the mother of all storms. At least they said that's what it was. We canceled Third Friday for the evening. I heard that somewhere in town there was even a wedding that was canceled because it was going to be so horribly dangerous to be out. The winds were chaotic. Some of them were nearly 70 miles per hour, they said. Torrential rain, trees down all over town. It was that kind of storm that Jesus and his disciples encountered out in the middle of the lake. A boat is the last place you want to be in that kind of storm, isn't it? Imagine Jesus in the midst of our storm. You know how loud that wind was and the rain that was absolutely pounding. Imagine Jesus saying to that storm, hush, and it would suddenly go silent and saying to the waves on the ocean, be still, and that they would go just like glass. Mark has intentionally in this story chosen certain words to talk about what Jesus said and what Jesus did. There words sort of the same ones we heard a few weeks ago when we heard the story of the man that was possessed by demons that spoke out in the synagogue, and Jesus calmed the de- demons and told them to be quiet. The same words. Rebuked? He rebuked the storm. And be silent. The same words that he said to the demon. You can tell that Mark is picking up that understanding That there is something in the storm that is not just an ordinary storm. That Jesus Jesus has power not only over the natural elements, but that he has power over the evil forces that are part of that storm. The The disciples had never seen anybody do anything like what Jesus did that day. And they knew Hebrew scriptures well enough to know that it was nobody but God himself who could quell the ocean, who could quiet it, just as he had in the waters of creation. Only God had that kind of power. Today, Transfiguration Day, is a really good day for the story. The reason I read the text is because in the Transfiguration, the disciples had a glimpse of who Jesus really was. They saw him in his glory. And that's what happens here in the storm, too. They get a glimpse of who Jesus really is. He's not only the guy who's really tired and falling asleep in the back of the boat, but he's also God himself who's got power over the sea and power over all of those evil forces that are within it. If we had no other stories about Jesus, if for some reason the only thing we had was just this page ripped out of the Bible, we would know quite a bit about Jesus, wouldn't we? We would know that he was human like we are. And we would know that he was God himself. It's part of why this was such an important story to the early church. It's also a story that they embraced for their times. The early church thought of themselves as a boat in a storm. Tossed about on the sea. Some of their art shows the church as a boat. And the mast, it forms a cross, as you might suspect. Actually, we picked up some of those uh, nautical words and had gone down through church history. This main part of the church where you are sitting, we call the nave. Nave is from the Latin for boat. You are sitting in a boat today. And if you look at the inside roofline, many churches have this sort of roofline with the idea originally that that's like the inside of the bottom of the boat, which is a little confusing because that makes you like sitting upside down in the boat, but you can forget that part. The church that I used to work at, the outside of it, um, the roof line goes like this. And it's like an upside down boat. It's like you're seeing the keel of a boat. Don't ever do that with your iPad when you're trying to talk. (laughs) It all goes wacky when you do that. The early church read this story as a parable about themselves because they saw themselves as this little boat tossed about on the violent winds of persecution. Such a small, new bunch of people, really just barely together, so easily overwhelmed. Could they even perhaps be easily destroyed by the storms that were around them. They came to understand that following Jesus did not mean that they'd be insulated from the storms of life. In fact, that the evil powers might unleash even greater storms against them. Yet they also understood that Jesus had not abandoned them. And this story helped them realize Jesus was in the boat with them no matter what kind of storms they went through. It's a story for our times too, isn't it? There are all sorts of chaotic things going on in the world today. Uh, yesterday at Presbytery, um, as we were ending the service, we, have, we realized that we have eight, maybe nine different language groups uh, represented in our Presbytery, and we had somebody from each of the language groups who was going to say one of the Beatitudes in their language as part of our ending. And there was a young man who was the one who was going to do the Arabic line. He's from Syria, from Holmes, and he worships and is a member out at our Costa Mesa church uh, along with uh, quite a number of other Syrians who've been here for several years and who particularly came from the Presbyterian church there in Homes. And somebody stood up and told us that even though if there have been months of relative peace in Holmes. Yesterday, Holmes was bombed, and the 50 people were killed. It is a chaotic world. The place he comes from is a world full of storms, and it's not the only storm in our larger world. Our nation is a stormy place these days. It's a stormy time for the church as we begin to understand what it means to live in the postmodern world and some of the realities of society today. And it's a stormy time in a lot of our lives and a lot of our families. And we feel vulnerable in this kind of world, this kind of country, and in our own lives and in our families. James Martin says, That he has found, as he has counseled people about their faith, that of all the stories in the Bible, this story is the most helpful to people when they find themselves in a difficult time. The story gives words to our anxiety, doesn't it? Does Jesus care? Jesus, wake up! Don't you care that we're sinking? Are you going to do anything about it? it's as though Mark's invitation to us is to go ahead and say that to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Come and take care of me in this. Because the story, however, uh, in this story, the answer to our fear is not so much that we just pull ourselves and our courage together. It's really not a story about overcoming the storm by pulling up our own bootstraps, is it? The storm was calmed because Jesus was in the boat. And we, be, we realize that that's the place where we begin to start, to realize that we're not alone in the boat, and to turn to the one who is more powerful than even those storms that are around us, having eyes to recognize that even in the mother of all storms, he is there with us in the boat. There are a number of ways through the centuries that Christians have prayed Scripture. It seems like an odd phrase, isn't it? Praying Scripture. I mean, we're used to kind of listening to Scripture, not praying Scripture. People wonder how you do that. Uh, One of the ways that sometimes people have done that is with a picture of the Scripture. There's a picture on the front of your bulletin that's Rembrandt's version of this story. And there is a tradition for hundreds of years of uh, Christians looking at understanding the text by looking at a picture like that and beginning to pray by putting themselves into the picture, by experiencing the story, putting themselves into it. We are going to do some of that at the Women's Retreat this year. Our leader, Linda Roberts, is going to lead us in several stories that way. Uh, My most recent favorite uh, way to put myself in a story of the Bible is a bit different than that. It's called the Prayer of Imagination. It's a way to experience the story with your five senses. Uh, We are doing it in some of our sacred story groups and finding that it is a way to encounter Jesus within the scripture and not just hear about him, but to actually meet him inside of the story. So for about the next five minutes, I'd like to conclude the sermon by leading you in that kind of a prayer of imagination. It probably... It's going to be easier for you to imagine if you close your eyes, um, but you don't have to if that's a difficult thing for you. It's a story and a way to look at the story that you can come back to and just using your own five senses without my words. What a day. The long day. In the hot sun listening to Jesus. As Jesus concludes, feel your own tiredness. Maybe you have a bit of a headache from looking at the glare of the sun on the sea. Skin feels a little burned after being in the sun all those hours. You're sweaty. Maybe a bit hungry. Yet exhilarated by what you've heard today. Jesus' disciples have pulled the boat up onto the shore of the lake. You can hear the waves lapping up the sides of the boat, can't you? They're heading across the lake this evening. Several other boats are going too. The disciples invite you to come along. You head for one of the other boats. But Jesus notices you on the shore and invites you into his boat. Come on, climb into the boat. Don't keep them waiting. If you can't quite manage to step over the side of the boat, I'm sure Peter will give you a hand. He's used to boats, being a fisherman and all. Watch out for splinters. This boat's seen better days. It's used hard for fishing. The paint's peeling off the edges. You can catch the lingering smell of the fish in the boat, can't you? There are a few little wooden seats. Jesus is taking a seat at the back. Find yourself a spot. Sit down, settle in. If you don't want to get wet, you might not want to sit along the edges of the boat. Hang on, James is giving us a push off from the sandy shore. A couple of the men are rowing until we catch the wind. I'm sure they could use a hand. Watch your head. In just a minute, Peter will be raising the sail. Hear the slapping of the ropes, the creaking of the oars and the sail. Feel the gentle swaying of the boat on the water. Doesn't that breeze feel good on your face? that occasional spray of water over the side after a long day in the sun. Now it's beginning to get dark. Stars are coming out. Jesus is so exhausted, he's already nodded off after the day he's had. Getting hungry? Hope he has a plan for dinner after we get across the lake. The water is getting choppy. Feel the rocking of the boat. I forgot to mention that evening is the most likely time for storms on this lake. Sorry we don't have life jackets. Hope you're a good swimmer. That wind's really picking up, isn't it? It's downright cold. It's beginning to howl. You feel it? You hear it? The wind's too much for the sail. The sailors are shouting at you to help give them a hand as they haul it down. As they bring it down, the wet sail is dripping all over you. The boat is pitching now in the waves. Dinner's not sounding like such a good idea after all. The cold waves are crashing over the boat. You're drenched whether you're on the edge or not, shivering with cold, with adrenaline. You taste the fear in your throat? The bottom of the boat is filling with waves. Feel that freezing water around your ankles. Grab the bucket and start bailing. We need all the hands we can get. This little old boat might not make it. For pity's sakes, where is Jesus when we need him? Feel the impatience that he isn't waking up. You're sitting close to him. Go ahead, wake up, Jesus. Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? Jesus rouses himself. He puts one hand on your shoulder. He doesn't even raise his voice. He tells the wind, hush! And it is silent. And the waves to be still. And they're like glass. Listen to how quiet it is. Feel the sudden calm. The boat stopped rocking. Feel your body relax as the adrenaline and the panic drain away. Take a moment to tell Jesus about your fear and distress, about your impatience at his sleeping. Tell him about your gratitude for his being with you in the boat. Lord, we are weak and frail and helpless in the storm. Surround us with your angels and hold us in your arms. For we pray in the strong name of Jesus, God with us, amen.
0: There is an ocean surrounding me, mostly the water is calm. Just enough breeze to keep me sailing, I feel safe and warm. Angry winds blow suddenly, how this world can threaten with sure authority Peace. Just enough breeze to keep me sailing. I feel safe and warm. Angry winds blow suddenly, and I become a churning sea. still Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still to the wind and the wind.
2: Lord Jesus, we meditate on Rembrandt's painting of your disciples in the boat upon the lake of Galilee. We see our faces and their faces. We listen to the roar of the wind and the sea. Our feet are wet from the waters swamping the boat. We cling for dear life. Our heads swim, and we are sick from the ups and the downs of the waves. We confess we are afraid. We do not know if we will make safe harbor. Yet we know that you are riding the waves with us in a boat not strong enough to endure the pounding. We are faced with the dilemma of whether or not we will call out to you awaken you and appeal for your help. We've seen you heal the sick, cast out unclean spirits, forgive sins, feed 5,000 from a few fish and teach with authority. Lord, do you have authority and power to bring peace to our storm-tossed lives? Here we are. We followed you. And you keep leading us into trying circumstances that threaten our very existence. We cry aloud to God, aloud to God, that He may hear us. Our prayers are the words of the psalmist. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. The very deep trembled. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet, your footprints were unseen. Give to us the faith to trust that even though we may not see your footprints in the waters, that nevertheless we believe that you are with us and that you have the authority to bring calm and restore our restless, anxious, and fearful souls. We pray for refugees seeking new beginnings in small rubber boats in the Mediterranean Sea. We pray for people traveling through deserts without enough water. We pray for loved ones in hospitals struggling with pain and the disorientation of drugs. We pray for business persons frightened by economic cycles who do not have the resources to make the payroll this month. We pray for those seeking a job We pray for conflicted relationships, for couples raising children, for young people confused by the mixed messages of our culture, for students hoping to pass the final exam to complete the paper to be accepted at the university. We pray for our nation in this time of division. Or people who bear witness to their unity yet cannot speak with civility with the other, the other party, the other race, the ugly neighbor, them. Like the disciples, we are exhausted by the stress and endless hours of work. In this moment of silence, we lift up the personal storm that is calling into question how we will live through it, survive it, and come to trust that nothing can triumph over your love. In silence we lift up our prayers to you. Please build courage and strength in your church. May we be a beacon of faith, hope, and love to our city. Heal and correct us. Inspire us to give our financial resources as witnesses to our love for you. Lord, we are so grateful for all your blessings. We are grateful for the truth of your word, the authority of your love, for the illumination of your spirit. May the light of this lighthouse of the gospel continue to burn brightly on this shore of the sea of life. We pray in the words you taught your disciples saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: and strong. Mountains.
1: Throughout the week, may you have eyes to see Jesus in the boat with you, and courage to wake him up and call on him in your need. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.